Hey everyone, what's up? It's your girl Nakia and welcome to the Fearless Kia Podcast. Hey everyone, it's your girl Fearless Kia. Welcome to another Fearless Friday. Uh, This week's life lesson is say what you mean, mean what you say. So I feel like I've been tested this week in regards to my love life. I'm going to just say that. As far as dating and love life and just, I just, I just feel like Man, just if you, it's it, you ain't got a lie to kick it. Like you ain't got a lie to kick it. Like if you want to kick it, kick it. Be comfortable in your decisions. Don't be giving me these stutter step. Like oh, like we on the football field and I'm trying to like you know bust a move around and get around, and not get tackled. Like that's not what girls are out here to do. Like we're genuinely trying to get to know you just as much as you're genuinely trying to get to know us and I just kind of feel like I don't know I just I feel some type of way right now you know some things have transpired in my life I thought a week ago you know I was in a good place I was like this is what I prayed for God yes this is the type of person that I prayed for and now I'm kind of like how did we get here what happened what was it but you know rejection is your protection so that's my you know, I'm learning that. So, like I said, anyway, my my lesson for the week is say what you mean, mean but just mean what you say. Whatever you, you know, how you feel, whatever it may be, just think twice, speak once. That is my that is my message, y'all. Okay, that is my message, and that's we're gonna keep it at that. You know, I ain't gonna spill no too much tea on here. Listen, I flipped the script on you. I'm trying to wait for you to do right. Like, I'm the interviewer. I will interview you right back because I got follow up questions. Okay. We gonna so so she. So this, our guest this week has follow-up questions, so we will definitely dig into it. She, we, she may be interviewing me before I'm interviewing her, but let's get into it. This week's guest is an entertainment reporter from BuzzFeed News, where she reports on black representation in Hollywood, trendy hashtag for the culture news, celeb thirst content, and Beyonce. Come on, B. Yes. Her piece, How Black China Beat the Kardashians at Their Own Game, which she did, strategic mindset right there, was the site's most viewed long-form culture piece of 2016 with over 1.3 million views on BuzzFeed News. Come on. Yes. Traffic. Come on. Numbers. She is also the host of BuzzFeed News' Insecure Recap Show, Hella Opinions. Whoop, whoop. She also provided on-air commentary for news shows on BBC, NBC, and CBS. Before working at BuzzFeed, she was a writer at Essence Magazine. She is an alum of North Carolina A&T and Columbia University graduate of the School of Journalism. Welcome to the Fearless Kia Podcast, Sylvia Obel. Hey! Yay! Girl! Look at, come on. I know how much of it. You said bye. I was like, I don't know what you, how much you want, how much you need. Yes, 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 yes. So... First of all, thank you so much for making time, girl. I know you hella busy. <laughs> hella busy. I love busy. Hella, I like what you did today. You know, you that was chill. Y'all you know, see what you did busy, there. So thank you so much. Mondays at nine, yes. Mondays at nine, people. <laughs> Every week, Insecure is on right now. Tune in. Uh, but I usually like to start off asking my guests, what is your deepest fear? Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's interesting. When you asked me that, I remember when you first asked me, I was like, 
dang, what is my deepest fear? Because I tried to really not focus on them mm-hmm. because they will like consume me. But the, I was saying to you, I think my deepest fear is not living up to God's plan for me or fulfilling mm-hmm. God's plan for me, whatever yeah. it is. Because I know, you know, everything happens for a reason and stuff like that. But I also know we have free will and the ability to sometimes get in the way. True. So yes, God knows like what we're going to do, but sometimes it may be that like, he knows we're going to mess up whatever it was he wanted us to do mm. or something like that. That's something I think about often. So like, I think for me, it's very much about making sure I'm aligned and my discernment is there so that I can make sure that I am fulfilling the goal and the life that he has for me. Mm. And, um, and before I used to, I think my fear was that I would mess that up career wise, mm. but my career has really it's beyond what I imagined it would be Girl, at this point in my life. Like even when I was, even when I was like, I always knew I wanted to do journalism, but I, it's like, it's so funny. I like, I had a, a plan and I actually already got through the plan. And I'm like, okay, so what do I got to do now? Like I stopped mm. at like entertainment reporter for a big publication. And it's almost like God's like, well, dream bigger. Cause you are, you're at that. And you're not even 30 yet. But then, so now it's kind of become a fear of like, finding love and if I'll be able to like have the family that I want Mm. because on the flip side I think I thought by this point in my life I would at least be in like a serious relationship Mm -hmm. with the person I would marry at least as a kid I remember you know when you're a teenager you're like oh I'll get married around 28 29 something like that and now that I'm at that age and single as hell I'm like okay so sis what um you know so I think my fear now is more so will I be able to have it all you know what I'm saying? Because it's like my career, it's like the better my career does, the worse my love life goes or vice versa. So, so like when I had a great love life, I had two very long relationships in high school and college. Mm. And, but it was like once that ended, my career took off. And then it's kind of like, so now I'm circling back. It's been like three years since my last relationship. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like, will I be able to find that kind of love again? Mm-hmm. You know, and will I be able to have it all? That's something I hear yeah. a lot of successful black women talk about. It's, no. it, and it's also hard, too, because we're in, in in this industry, like, you see a lot of women who are, are in their early, late, or late 40s, and they still are single, right? Right. But they've been successful. Right. Whatever path of their career in the entertainment oh, yeah. industry it is. But then it's like, well, damn, I don't want that. Yeah, and they're like, killing it, but I want babies, where is, too. Where's love? Where's the family? <laughs> and, like, all those things. And it makes you feel like... It makes you start to question, or that fear starts to like arise. Like, can I have it all? Like, can mm-hmm. I do? Particularly in New York, like I'm like, to your point, I'm like 29, and I'm mm-hmm. like, well, shit. I I thought Bay was. I thought this was gonna be it. You know, you always meet someone. You're like, I think it's gonna be it, and then when mm-hmm. it's not, it's like, you know what? I, I've even came to a point where it's like, I'm just gonna get this a rest. This is not working or like this is not working for me at this point in time. Yeah. But it's also that thing where you don't want to speak it into this and right. There's power in the tongue of like. Right. Manifesting. Your manifesting yeah. that too. I totally believe You in can that. manifest your dreams and then you can also manifest. You can mm-hmm. like manifest things that will be literally bringing your fears to life. Right. Yeah. At the same time. So it's like, oh, it's this constant battle. It's a balance. It really is. I mean, I definitely was. Where you were at three years ago and my last relationship ended, I, that was somebody who I thought I was going to marry. But again, mm. I was still we, I was still young enough where I was like, okay, I can find somebody else. But I right. also really much needed a break because we had been together for like 
three years. And before that, I had been with somebody for like four years. So mm-hmm. it was like, I was like, so these past three years, it's the longest I've been single in my adult life. And, you know, I'm only 28. Some people would think only. But I also think like, this is around the time I really did think that, it, you know, I'd be settling yeah. down. So yeah. um, it's definitely a... I definitely had to hit the reset button like you did, even dating-wise, because, boy, I think the thing about dating, like, and starting to date in your mid-20s for the first time, Ooh. it was like, is this what's really going on out here? I was shook. I was like, I really had to, at the, the end of last year, hit the reset button and be like, you know what? I am done with casual stuff, and I'm just going to, the way I did it, because I, I was feeling fatigued like you were, Yeah, I think I hit it where I was like, I'm still looking for the person I want to be with. Like, I'm still going to keep myself open for them. Yeah. But I'm going to be more selective about who I allow into my space. Yeah. And I'm not going... I'm really going to cut off people who are kind of just wanting to be casual. I'm looking for somebody who's intentional. Mm. And until I meet somebody who's intentionally trying to be a part of my life in a serious way, I'm going to do me. And that really... And let a lot of that play... Like, that energy of uh, people waste your time into my spirit. Because I don't want to be so tired and bitter by the time I meet the man that I want to be with because of all these other fools. Child. <laughs> you know? Child. So I was Talk like, let me stop it. letting them all up in my energy. I think that speaks volumes too about like really, you know, practicing a relationship with God and really having a relationship with him before you, so oh, you yeah. can be assured and clear and like who you're entering in a relationship with in your life. For sure. One of the, the main things I remember like, a lot of like the a lot of the women who not a lot but the few women whose marriages like women who I've grown up with in my life whose mm-hmm. marriages I really like aspire to the thing they have in common really is about you know people talk about being equally yoked and I don't think that necess- I think that means whatever it means right. to you right like so for me it would be Christianity and believing in God for somebody else it may be Islam for somebody else it may be being spiritual but not religious right. you know like everybody has but I do think it's important to be on the same page about it just because. It, I think that's always the third string. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I, what if the women, like, one woman who I really, um, admire told me that the way her marriage has worked is because she knows she has a husband who listens to God when he speaks to him. Mm. So when she wants to, when she needs a change in him or needs him to act, you know, like to, when something's going on with him, she can talk, she can pray to God to help her with that right. situation because, God can speak to her husband and he will listen mm. versus when you have a husband who may not. And then it's like you, cause we both at this point in our lives, you know, you can't make a man change if he doesn't right, want to. Right. Right. But you know, I think there is something about like even hearing a man say when me and my wife are going through it and I need her to like open her eyes about something or see my side of it, I can pray to God because I know she listens to him. Mm. Like I just, that really struck me as like, damn, you're right. Like, how, you know, because if I pray for most of the things I want in my life and need in my life, if I don't have a partner who I know will listen when God tries to speak to him about what I need from him, how can I make forever work? I don't know. You exactly. know, it's like that's and you know something. what Jada Pinkett said recently on Instagram. Ooh, I love Girl, her Instagram. Relationships are a spiritual endeavor. They are. Like, they really are. That, Especially marriage. Marriage. You know how long forever, forever, ever is? Ever. Like, like every day, you got to roll over this person. You're Breath gonna, and all. You're like, going to need more than love is not enough. I think that's the hardest lesson I learned in my 20s. Mm, come on, love, that love is, is not, not enough. enough. It's not. Oh. It's a, It's vital, but it's not enough 
to sustain a relationship. You need mm. other things. You know what I mean, like you have to protect your energy. You have to protect your heart. And you know the thing about men is, girl, they're they're scared. They they have they are scared. They are scared. There's a lot. Of, like you know how many guy friends of mine are like fear. I think even like the, in the fear like just, the fear of like I, the messing up. You know, I guess or whatever. I think we. We all grew up in a generation where we saw a lot more marriages dissolved than our parents did. Mm -hmm. And I think that really has messed a lot of us up. A lot of us come from broken homes. A lot of men didn't get to see their fathers be husbands and like all this stuff where it's very new for a lot of people to even try this dynamic. So I do, I do get that there's a lot of things in, in place to make people scared, but it's really a thing. I, I swear, you know, I think like the last two, dating scenarios I had I think the main thing that like both times that stalled it was like the guy being like I'm afraid I don't want to like I don't want to mess this up I don't want to lose you in my life and it's just kind of like okay so you want to just be friends okay you know what I mean but then it's kind of like I think sometimes it's afraid they're afraid too because shit could get real real fast right real Mm. as in like it's going to get so painful where, yes, you do have to make a decision. Why are you afraid to just make a decision? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, men don't want to be in a position where it's like, oh, I got to get to that point where we going left or we going right. Why can't we just be in the middle right here? And it's, it's just like, funny that we're that way with love. Because, like, if somebody uh, offered you your dream job, would you still be like, I'm too afraid. I'll mess it up. So I'm not going to take it. I'm not right. going to take the job or this money or this blessing. And I'm going to just stay here. We, when we think about it in career terms, everybody's like, no, that's crazy. Of course I would try. Yeah. But when we think about it with love, it's like, how come we don't feel the same fearlessness mm. that we feel in our, in our career? You know, because both are, both are big parts of our lives. Both can set, set you back just as hard. Job hunting is like dating. Yeah. Too, you know? But nobody's sitting here being like, hi, yes, I would like to offer you six figures, your dream job, all of this thing in your favorite city, and you're like, I'm afraid, so actually, I think I might mess this up. So keep your six-figure salary, because I just don't. I'm afraid. Yeah. No, but you know what I'm saying? Versus, like, that's what a lot of men are doing when it's like, here's this woman who literally is everything you're looking for. Boom. And you're looking her in the face and saying, I'm too scared to take it. Like, that's you, that's you, like, you turning down that type of job offer in my, in my, like, I, mind. I, yeah, I agree. And it's kind of like you're blocking your blessings. Like, yeah. Why? And we, and people are always like, oh, what's meant to be will be. But like, you, like mm. I said, free will is a thing and we get in the way of God's plan all the time. So talk about it. And your plan, he may have to switch your plan up based on you getting in the way of it. But it, you, you are not like, we are not exempt from messing up God's plan for our life or overlooking or missing our blessings. Yeah. It's kind of like, this is what you pray for. I'm going to set it up for you, but it's up to you to either follow to get through, it or see not. it through. Or not, and that's I'm a big thing about like I think I'm a I think the difference what I've noticed in my day in life is like I'm a feelings person. If I feel this way, I feel this way, and that I'm mm-hmm. going with my feelings. I'm not thinking logic. I'm not thinking cautious. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be cautious because I think you should. You definitely there should be a balance be of both. Yeah, but I'm more like this person makes me feel like this. Let me continue to explore this versus like logically this makes sense because this person has X Y and Z da 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 da. But I don't feel. Anything. I do think it's a balance towards it, but I'm also just like, you know, I ain't about forcing shit either. Like, oh yeah, I'm definitely not about forcing. I ain't forcing. I used to be, not maybe used to be. I think we all had that time where it's like, well, you know, what needs to change? What needs to happen? And it's kind of like you grow up and you're kind of like, no, like if you, this is me. 
this is what's being offered to you. Right. I have to, you know, I really have to work on being, my issue is sometimes I'm not confident enough to say how I really feel. Mm. Especially if I have to say it first. I'm somebody who really would love if the person, like, that's, oh, get Tell it. me you love me first, please. Yeah. Ask me out first, please. Because then if I, if I'm like really into somebody, I will punk out and be like, just wait in and never say anything. And then sometimes I wonder, am I missing my blessings because I'm like that? Mm. So I have tried to start speaking them more, but I think all you can do is literally tell somebody how you feel and then it's on them. And it's either you take it or you leave it, but I'm not going to force you to do either or. And you'll be surprised how many people I think are surprised by you not like circling, you know, like circling back or like trying to force something because I think they're just so used to women doing that. I'm like, I'm not trying to force this. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not trying to hold you. I'm not holding you. I can't keep somebody (laughs) that doesn't want to be kept. That's my biggest thing. I'm not, I can't keep you on be kept and I'm not forcing something that's not supposed to be there. It's really about putting your trust in him. God, yeah, it's that he's going to give you what you need when you need it. And maybe what I've had to make peace with is that maybe I thought I was ready for something that I wasn't. Mm. You know, I think for me, it's sometimes it's like I may be ready self-wise or whatever, but I think like maybe I wouldn't have been able to make all these things happen in my career if I wasn't fully focused on me during these pivotal years. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe, you know, like somebody would hold me back or would like, you know, because when you're in a relationship, you got to make compromises. Yeah. And sometimes maybe you just need sometimes to be alone in a place because God needs you to make selfish decisions for yourself. Mm. During that time. Yeah. Did you feel like when you were going in just to talk about your career and being in relationships during those times, I think you said you weren't in a relationship at the second. So my last, my, my last relationship ended while I was at Essence. Okay. So it was like during my senior year of college, grad school, school. till my first year at Essence. Yeah. How was that balancing both, right? Yeah. You know, it was... I mean, and, and more so when I say balancing both, how was it like to be so goal oriented? And you yeah. said originally the fear was that you wouldn't, you know, fulfill God's plan in your life for your career. Mm-hmm. And then you're now juggling this like relationship mm-hmm. and still trying to, you know, hit your plan. Wait, yeah. Your plan. I mean, it was interesting because I think thankfully, and I'll always give him credit for this, like he was very supportive mm. of like giving me my time and things to do what I need to do. I think he believed in my dreams like I believed in my dreams, you know. Um, I think the hard part, and even to the point where he really would never really be like, oh, we don't see each other enough, this or that. Like, I'm usually with people who are like, we're so busy both doing our own thing that like, we're good, like the pace we see each other. Probably I was the one who was like, we don't see each other a lot. But I do think that like the balance came in when it was like we found ourselves both trying to figure out our careers and realizing that maybe they wouldn't keep us in the same place. Because mm. I do remember a conversation we had was like about him possibly wanting to go to LA and me being in New York, just getting my dream job and me going to LA with him or not. And me kind of being like, there's as like, I, and in that moment at that time, I loved him more than I had loved anybody. And mm. I just knew, like, this was going to be my husband. But I also knew that, like, Essence had been my dream longer than I, he had been my dream. And so I was like, I can't give, like, something in my heart, I just knew I couldn't give up this job to move with yeah. a boyfriend across the country. Yeah. So it was kind of a thing where, and funny enough, he never even ended up moving. But it was, I remember that being a time where we really, I really realized, like, oh, shit, I'm ha- if I have to pick. I'm picking my career. I'm picking my career. Yeah. And hoping that, like, we can just do that. But, you know, 
I just I think I had to trust like that the person I would be with would also be in line with what I knew was God's plan for me. Right. And so if it was a situation where it became too out of line, then that must mean that that's not who I'm supposed to be with. Yeah. And I do think that was definitely a point of, especially when you're in a relationship that serious, when you're in your, when you're 23, 24, 25, in those years, you're just looking for the jobs and taking them where you can get them. And yeah. I really believe in supporting some of my favorite couples, you know, from college that, I mean, that I went to college with, they were in their separate cities after school, mm. you know, taking their job opportunities where they had to take them before they came back and were able to get into the same place. Yeah. And you really, I really believe that you have to let the person chase their dreams mm. because I never want to be resented for holding somebody back. Right. Or I don't ever want to resent them yeah. for holding me back. So I'm very much somebody who will be like, you chase. We'll chase together and we'll make it work. Yeah. But I also know that I need somebody then who was like that too. Too. Because not everybody is. That's true. And so you, of course, traced your dreams and you came to New York working at Essence and you were an editor at that time, assistant editor. So yeah, I was an editor. So I came in as an intern and then I was brought on as an editorial assistant. Editorial assistant. So that basically, like being the EA there, I meant like I assisted all of the in book editors, like news and entertainment Mm -hmm. mostly. And that's so why I wrote like the ten things we're talking about this month column, and I um, I would help research for freelancers, and then I would also like write for Essence dot com. Right. So I would write like news and entertainment stories daily mm-hmm. on that website as well. And you always knew that you had a pa- passion for entertainment. Yeah, you know, I always knew right journalism is what I wanted to do. Entertainment was definitely my dream. It's funny how many people, especially in college, tell you though to not bank on entertainment mm. because it's very much like, well, you know, that's hard to get into. Not everybody's going to make it in the entertainment. I like distinctly remember being told, well, to you know, to also be open to other types of journalism because mm. I may not get that one. Wow, you know, so it's definitely a dream where it was like. I always and I'm a I'm a a planner, so I definitely had the hard. I think that's even why I was the news intern when I came into Essence. I wasn't even the entertainment intern. I because I did you know I did what I was supposed to do. I went to Columbia for grad school and I I did internships at local newspapers in college over the summer where I was covering like regular newspaper yeah. news, you know. So I, the switch over entertainment was like when I got to Essence and really was like able to like you know. Five mentors and like Yolanda Sanguini, who is now running the website, and Corey Murray, who's entertainment director at Essence, giving me a shot to write entertainment on the side while I was there. Right. And giving me the clips and the interviews while I'm there that allowed me then when I got to BuzzFeed to be a celeb writer and mm-hmm. then move to the entertainment news team on BuzzFeed News. I think that's definitely something that I always knew I wanted to do, but wasn't sure I was going to be able to do because a lot of people told me, you know, it's one out of ten people actually are able to do right. this. Right. Do you feel like you had to go to Columbia in order to do inter- entertainment journalism? Or um, did you do that just because you wanted to, like, have that master's under your belt? You know, it's it's definitely, for me, Columbia, and this is probably the biggest question I get from people. From HBCU to Ivy League. Yes. Oh, honey, because they, they t- try to tell us that we can't. Aggie Pride, baby. I went from Aggie Pride. I went to A&T to Columbia University. But, um, and I wouldn't have gone without my professors at A&T. Mm. I had no intention of going to grad school, honestly. Because in journalism, you don't really need it. So, like, I, 
But my professors, I had really good grades. And you know, black professors are like, no, no, baby, you're going to get this master's degree. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not. And I wrote about this in essence, actually, funny enough, like, they, one of my professors, Dr. Styles, um, tricked me into going to dinner. Because sometimes they take certain students to dinner or whatever with some of the faculty. And at the dinner was the admissions person from Columbia mm. University. And they were, he was like, so why don't you want to go? He looks like, I hear you have all these good grades. You don't think you'll get it? And really, I realized a lot of it was imposter syndrome. Mm. Like, I was like, what would I be doing at Columbia? And, you know, for me, I think I think for everybody, I always say, if you're going to go to grad school, the reason why I went was because Columbia is number one for journalism. I'm not saying that to just be biased, because I know the Northwestern Syracuse people are going to be like, ah, ah. But, like, just <laughs> ranking-wise, <laughs> Columbia is number one for journalism. So I knew that having that on my the, my resume would open a lot bigger doors, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to do, I knew I didn't really want to do the local route, where it's like go from local markets to a bigger market. Yeah. I've never really been a patient person, speaking back to pace. So for me, it was kind of like, I was in Greensboro, and I was like, North Carolina, but I'm from Jersey. So coming back up here, it bring me closer to home. Yeah. But also, I just knew I had to be in New York. Yeah. And I was like, Columbia's in New York. If Columbia was not in New York, I would not have gone to grad school. Because to me, I was like, okay, bet. I got a year. I did the one-year program because that's all I could afford. So that meant I had to get do two years in one year, and you can't even have a full-time job when you do that. But I was like, I'm going to be there for a year. I'm going to get in the face of everybody who I've been emailing and sending my resume to who's right. been ignoring me. Right. Because I was like, at least when I'm there, I can see them. So when I came to New York, I literally was like joining NYABJ and like working the door at events so I could check people in and see who was who and like telling them about me. And like I was like CUABJ president, which is the Columbia chapter of NABJ, which is National Association of Black Journalists. And I would have I would throw panels at Columbia and put the people on the panels who I wanted to work for. Like, I had Wendy Wilson who and Sharia Jackson who, like, hired me at Essence. Like, and I had applied before that twice for that internship and didn't get it till mm. I was at Columbia's when they gave it to me. But also because I was able to go to the Time Life building and put a face to the resume, you know, and that's for multiple opportunities. And so I knew, for me, as much as I knew I was going to grow digitally because I did print in undergrad. Right. And so for me, going to Columbia was also about learning how to do camera work. And shoot, I shot a documentary while I was there, you know, doing photo. Those are things I didn't know. How, I didn't know how to do until I went there. Mm-hmm. I knew that we were going into a digital market at the time. So I felt like it was important. Right. But um, networking connections, like I said, that Columbia on your resume really makes a difference. Mm. And... Like, uh, yeah, and just being in New York. Because yeah. I, I was like, I can hustle right where I need to hustle. Right. Now, how is it for you now that you've, you know, you went to Columbia, you went to North Carolina T, then you went to Columbia, you got the connections, you got the internship at Essence that led to editorial assistant role, um, and now you're at BuzzFeed where you've had an opportunity to really, like, utilize the platform to do entertainment news, to have your own platform, to be on, you know, I want to say television, because it is television, but it's digitally... Like Twitter, Twitter, yeah, shows. It's so crazy how that's we become watch a television thing. Yeah. on mobile more yeah. often mm-hmm. and on our social media more than we do on TV. Linear like so many TV. of my friends so, don't have cable. It's so weird. I'll call it like yeah. So like social video. I don't know if that's the term. I feel like they're still trying to figure it out, but you're still on air, right? You are now on air as well as you were, you know, as writing, which as was never writing, my plan, which was never your plan. So God has. <laughs> Clearly, he had more plans for me. Right? There's a lot of aunties in my life who were like, "I told you it was gonna be over, yeah. baby," because I was mm-hmm. always like, "I did not want to be on camera." Because for me, 
it was about my words. Mm-hmm. And, like, people judging me off of my words. When you go on, like, camera, people are judging you off of how you look and how you deliver your words in addition mm-hmm. to that. And I never really wanted to put myself up for that kind of judgment. Like, right. you have to be, like, it brings a lot of insecurity. Seeing yourself on camera, and you're like, ooh, ooh, that angle was terrible. Or, ooh, huh, this yeah. and that. Or now I got to, like, dress cute. And now I got to keep my nails done and my hair hey, done. And, and all like, this stuff yeah. that I never really, extra pressure. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But, like, being at BuzzFeed is such an innovative company where there's always opportunity to do so many things. So I found myself being pulled into, like, hey, can you jump in this video real quick? This and here. And then, like, they're like, wait a minute, you're good at this. And you're good at this. And when I started at BuzzFeed, they didn't have um, a programming sector. Right. Like, it's something that popped up while I was there. Yeah, having, like, the studio. Yeah, and, like, so I'm going to say, like, original programming, mean, like, AM to DM, the Twitter morning show, yes. was, like, the first one that they did. And then we had, like, election night shows. And, like, and then we have, like, um, Profile, which is the interview show with Addie, Audie Cornish from NPR, where she interviews certain things. Mm-hmm. And now, hello, uh, Hella Opinion, which is my uh, insecure recap show, and um, follow this, which is going to be on Netflix. So like they're getting into like a bunch of yeah um, original programming, and in that moment they when they were tapping people who they felt like reporters who they felt like had the gift to be on camera. Like, I really was getting endorsement from, like, my editor, Covier, or, like, Shawnee Hilton, who's the head of progr- VP of programming mm-hmm. at BuzzFeed News, to be like, you're good at this, do it. Yeah. And I was like, me? I don't know. But then when I, the more I would do it, I liked it. I remember my early days coming to guest host AM and DM. I was terrified. Terrified. I threw up the right? first time before no, I did it. No. I was so terrified because I was like, oh, my God. Now I can do it without thinking twice. But, like... I it was it was really against. I think it's that would be surprising for people to hear because I'm so um, out. I, I have like a very outgoing personality, but I'm very much like an introvert extrovert. Where it's like I can be very social and I can be very like charming, but I really am shy in a weird in a way too. Yeah. So it's one thing to be comfortable around your friends. It's another mm-hmm. to be comfortable around like an audience full of strangers. And yeah. you know, Twitter trolls are real. Other things are real. So it's just. It was like no chance to mess up. You can edit your words. Right. When it's live, it's live. Where did you ever feel afraid that you wouldn't be able to necessarily deliver because it is not like deliver. When I say deliver, I mean so more so like your first episode, you're going on AM to DM to do the entertainment. Yeah, like I'm doing like an interview or something. Yeah, in, yeah. Interview. And it's like, were you ever afraid, like, oh my God, like this is like live, this is real. Oh yeah. And, like afraid of like you may have a loss for words, something that you're great at, right? Yeah, words no, and well, like, yeah, and it happens. You have to learn how to like catch it and like make it not look like it happened, or yeah. you know, it's it happens. And I think for us, it's really like something what you have to get past is like it will happen, and when it happens, the next time when it happens, you'll be more prepared because you'll know how to get past that's it. That's true. But it's just kind of a thing where it's like it's a scary experience to have to learn live on air. Mm. But there's really no way around it. You know, other than like doing. when I look at my early interview tapes, I cringe. Like, I cringe. I was like, oh my God. Like, I said, like, like a thousand times <laughs> my first sit down interview. And like, our, I had a program, Cindy, she does not play. Like, she will, like, I remember in the beginning, she would have us like weekly watch ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I hate watching myself. <laughs> so it was like, you have to watch yourself. And she's like, so when you did that right there, don't do that anymore. You see how you're looking all over the place? Stop. Look at the person you're interviewing. Like, we would have to go wow. through that week to week training and it's just kind of like, but it's necessary. It's necessary. Yeah. And where God is moving you. Yeah. And you don't necessary. get good overnight. Not- so like, I think for me though, to see the growth, 
Like, I remember my first, like, live panel thing that I did was at ABFF, like, two or three years ago. I did, like, Gabrielle Union. Mm-hmm. And then, like, this past year, I went back to ABFF and did it for Netflix. And I was able to even just tell how much more comfortable I felt. Mm. I think it's something about being in the same place again that allowed me to really, like, see... And I was like, wow, it's like the growth. It's really cool growth. to see the growth. And yeah. Like Kelly. Like Kelly. Kelly. Growth. growth. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So just to like close off the episode, I want to talk to you more about kind of your journey, right? How do you feel looking back at your journey from your plan of always wanting to be an entertainment reporter to actually see it and come to fruition and now realizing or noting that you have this fear of not fulfilling God's plan more so if your love life, how do you kind of, how do you try to move beyond it? Right. Mm. Are there day to day things that you do to just kind of be mm-hmm. like, you know what? I know what this is. Let me continue to move. Like what are the practices that maybe someone who maybe identify with your story can try to implement um, on a day to day basis to try to move beyond their fears? Yeah, I mean, for me, the biggest part of my self-care is faith. And I, I will also give tips outside of that for people who may not, that may not be their path. But yeah. like initially, for me, really, it's about learning the importance of spending daily time with God. Mm. I I think that's something, especially when you're busy, you feel like, oh, no, it's fine. No, it's okay. But you, when the the more you, the further you get up and the more you realize that you have to lean on him. Oof. What I found is like the more successful I get, the higher he takes me, the more dependent I am on him. Mm. Like I can't half step it like I could before. It's like he's bringing me up, but it's like to make, to maintain it. It's almost like I'm climbing a mountain and the altitude is getting thinner. Yeah. And like he's the oxygen mask. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's like back lower on the mountain. It was fine. But now it's like, no, you need that day-to-day time with him because he's the one leading you up this way. And if you don't, you'll just end up back down where you were kind of a thing. So, like, daily devotion meditation time for me, gospel music always lifts my spirit. Mm. I mean, like, just worshiping. Like, sometimes, like, I don't get to go every Sunday, but I try to go as many Sundays as I can to church just because, like, the experience, the exercise of worshiping just really is, like, cathartic to me. Mm -hmm. Um. And just practicing being grateful. And just, mm. you know, and just understanding that it's bigger than me. Yeah. Those are really things I get from that. Um, On a more self-care note, I really, I'm a big, like, bath person. Yes. I love bubble baths. I'll be saying it on your Instagram. Girl, you, you follow me on IG, you'll yes. see. I'll be saying I love it. a bubble bath. You know, really, I think I just get a lot of thinking done in there. And it's like, also, it's just a good detox. Like, yeah. But, like... So just taking care of your body and just being in that space and listening to music. It's just it's something that always calms me and candles and all of that. Like, I'm very, like, a mood setter vibe yes. person. So if, I, if, if my mind is going crazy, the best way for me to help it is if I set a peaceful vibe. Yeah. And that's what, like, I think the bad thing does for me. I love so, massages. Okay. Um, I like, like, um, I read that, like, when you're touched, like the endorphin, like there's an endorphin release mm. in some way. Like I remember, when I first, this is the kind of person I am. I'm like, I like after I get out of a relationship, like read like how to, you know, what to do. And they were saying like one of the things to do is like if you can get like massages every now and then because like we we think physical touch is just like this extra thing in relationships, mm. but it's really something like we need as people. Yeah. And so there's because like on a scientific level, there's just like this endorphin release or like this it's something like chemical enzymes where it's like feel good 
then chemicals get released in your brain mm. and just lifts your spirit in a way. So, like, even if it's not, like, I can't afford full body massages, like, monthly or anything like that. But maybe I'll go, like, when I get a pedicure, I'll get the extra five-minute foot massage or I'll go in a little nail shop and hop in the chair and get a little back yeah. rub or something like that. Or sometimes I will go get an actual one. But that's something I really enjoy. Um Spending time with people who I love, who I can talk to. Yeah. Friends really help lift my spirits. Um, my mom. I talk to my mom. I used, We used to talk every day on the phone. The more busy I've gotten, the harder <laughs> that's been. But we do talk often. But just having somebody there who you can kind of just release your thoughts mm-hmm. to. And I'm a big journaler. I've always kept journals. I've always kept diaries. And I think it's really helpful to get your thoughts out on paper. And that's just also because I'm a writer, I yeah. guess. But like... That's something that's always super helpful for me. So I think stuff like that. And I know like working out is a good endorphin release too. For me, it's like I hate working out though. I, I always yeah, feel I feel the benefits after. Right. I feel like the mental benefits after, but not during. Yeah, the process more. <laughs> Getting there is as much as in the beast as it can. Yeah. But yeah. I'm really trying to do the same. Working out is a struggle, but <laughs> I think it's a mental thing, right? It's the mind over matter type of thing. Oh, it hurts. It don't feel, it's not comfortable, uh, y'all. No. I'm not even going to lie, y'all. I don't like sweating, to be honest. That's just never, <laughs> that's never my thing. Yeah, but yeah. I just think it's interesting that you said, of course, you like to journal because you like to write. Have you ever looked back at old journals versus yes. now? Oh, my God. Yes. How and has that experience been? It's the, that's why I want everybody to journal because it's really, you can think that you haven't grown at all. In a year, or sometimes it's really hard for you to see mm. and be down on yourself, like, oh, a whole year has passed, nothing has changed about me or my life. But when you journal, you can you can't deny your growth. Right. Like I'll look back and be like, dang, I really used to think like that. Mm. Or oh wow, I really used to be insecure in this way. And now I'm not. And it gives me something to be thankful for or something to be proud of myself about. Or even just to help me identify my feelings and see patterns. You know, um, I think even like to circle back on what we talked about in the beginning, writing has really helped me see the signs of how I like when I'm falling in love for real Mm. or when I'm not, because I can look back into times where I was in love and how I felt then and compare it now. Like I don't even feel that way or being like, wow, no, wow, this is exactly how I feel now. Oh shit. I'm screwed. I'm in love. You know, it's like, or going through breakups and seeing or really hard moments and where I'm being honest, because I think you have to be very honest in your journaling, where I feel like I'm saying to myself, like, I don't think I'm ever not going to feel this way. And then going back and reading it when you don't feel this way, mm. it's a reminder that when you are down, that you will feel good again. Yeah. You know, like that whole, like even just seeing you say the words, like, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to love somebody again, or I don't think I'm ever going to be happy again. And then it's like, you are right and you're going back and you're like okay so yes i can and And then the next time it happens Mm -hmm. to you when you feel that way you can tell yourself it's not true because you have that evidence right this too shall pass yes that is such a that's such a true statement it is like i don't know like how long is it gonna take to pass (laughs) sometimes it takes longer than others but it always passes if you allow it absolutely well i want to thank you so much for coming on my podcast i'm so happy to thanks have for you having me, me. I, hope you had a wonderful time I know i don't it. think i've ever talked about relationships I, this much I know. on a podcast sorry y'all we was talking about relationships. <laughs> you know it was a, it was you know a scar it was ruined it was on the heart sorry, it was on the heart 
Um, but I'm so glad we were able to talk about your deep experience, talk about your journey, your story, and just to see you, you know, blossom during your time here in New York. I can't wait to see what else God has in store for you. Thank you. Your plan. I usually like to close off the episode with a quote um, based off of my guest's experience. So this is a quote that I'm going with. It's anonymous. Um, I know God has a plan. I pray for direction to follow it. Patience to wait on it and knowledge to know when it comes. Oh, that's good. Mm -hmm. That's good. I needed that. Thank you. So I hope that inspires you guys who are listening. I hope you have a happy Fearless Friday. I'm wishing you guys nothing but love, light, and many blessings. It's your girl, Fearless Kia, and we out. Bye.